0: Fanboys and Friends presents... Something's coming. A Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast. Something dark. Same of Galaxy Far Away. I sense it. In the days of war, there was... This is a new beginning. Now, she is a ronin walking her own path. War... ...for others. It's been a while. Things have changed. Ahsoka Ronin, Way of the Tongue. I started hearing whispers... ...about Thrawn's return. Heir to the Empire. We have to prepare for the worst. The Jedi fell a long time ago. There aren't many left. It is time to begin again.
1: All right, gang, and welcome to the latest episode of Ahsoka Ronin Way of the Tunnel. I am your host, your master of ceremonies, Davidson, and with me, you know, he's You know what, gang? We're not going to call him a Padawan. We're not going to call him a student. We'll call him a Jedi Master as well. You got two masters, price of one, one podcast. Your friend of mine, oh, I own Dagaba, or, you know, Florida, to be more precise. But let's call it Dagaba. It makes it shine a little better. Your friend of mine, Kyle Wagner. Kyle, how's it going, buddy?
2: No, Chopper, land the ghost over there. Not not over the jedi temple remains that's that's bad mojo oh you mean this i got i got enough back talk from droids thank in cats for thank you very much
1: <laughs> oh okay chop all right all right all right uh he does that he does that quite a lot same to you. All right, Kyle. And quit, we're quit here fighting to...
2: with Chopper. You, you know it's pointless, and you know we won't win the argument.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so, what are we talking today? We're talking uh, episodes three and four, or parts three and four, of Ahsoka, and that would be "Shut Up, Chop, Time to fly and Fallen Jedi.
2: Yes, um, two absolutely outstanding episodes of Star Wars television, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just going to say it. Starting especially with part three, time to fly. Oh, enough! Really, I agree with Chopper though. The, the time to fly, especially felt like original trilogy feel Star Wars.
1: It did. It did.
2: Will you go. Will you go tell Chopper to charge? Chopper, get on your
1: port, buddy. Come on. I know you hate it. Just get on your port, would you?
2: See what don't happens make, when we let draw when we let crazy astro on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Don't
1: make don't make me take you out back, man. Don't make me take. I know you're excited about the latest episode, but we're here talking about the last two. I, I, got, I got D2, I got D two. I got D
2: two on speed dial. Chop.
1: You know he doesn't listen well.
2: Yeah, well.
1: Just ask Aram about that. Yeah, but...
2: Oh, shut up! send ah, you. We've we've been hijacked by a chopper droid. Uh, uh, um. No, but both of these episodes were outstanding. But um, starting with time to fly and just everything that was in this episode just gave me all the feels of the original trilogy.
1: It did. It did.
2: Um. What? Well, I. And honestly, in my opinion. Yeah. The best space fight we've had in Star Wars in a long time. Oh, I'm sorry, say that again. The best fight space fight, space, space fight we've had in Star Wars in a long time.
1: Yeah, Chopper. I know, I know, I know. Calm down. No, I would definitely agree with that. Definitely agree. Now, I gotta address something that I think is important to start with. And Kyle, I think you would agree. Uh, the the Sabine, uh, you know, training thing, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, um, look, I'm one, I'm all for it. Two, this whole thing was taking me back to Rebels, you know, when uh, Katie was training her with the Darksaber, right? Mm -hmm. But probably the most important thing to talk about. Is the fact that isn't this this isn't exactly a new element? Because if I recall, there's been documented proof that George has talked about the well, anyone can use the force. I think George has talked about that publicly, hasn't he?
2: Uh, a little bit, yeah, but I mean the the, the aspect of it is here, and actually it's something uh, I, I like, mean he's
1: always been very nebulous with the with the term, yeah.
2: well, but i think I think the the point is is that I think everybody the idea is that everybody has an ability to access the force, some just have it much more than others,
1: yeah, and, and well, the reason I'm bringing it up is I'm sorry. George said this, and then you go to you see the element in something like, say, the Last Jedi. I know you and I have talked to death about it, but it is worthy of a comparison at this point. You see the element there, and you're like, "This is nothing new,
2: guys." No, but but I I I I think the point of it is too is that. I think Sabine's training also has to do with a lot of her relationship with Ahsoka. And, you know, what I liked about about it was, was it was a, a callback to A New Hope and some of the yeah. things that, that, that Luke went, went uh, through. Are you love.
1: referring to the training uh, that we never really got to see as far as the relationship with Ahsoka and Sabine?
2: Yeah, I, I'm referring to that, but I'm also just referring to the aspect of this... There, there's something in it. It runs in the next episode, too, with Sabine. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, it does. The, the,
2: the key thing with this episode was how this episode started with the relationship with Ahsoka and Sabine and where it ended at, because th- that was one of the, my favorite parts of this episode, was the fact that Ahsoka realized she also had to adapt as the master and the teacher to, mm-hmm. to a way that gave Sabine confidence in a a way that where she was working with Sabine, not just against Sabine.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I would definitely agree to that.
2: And that's, I mean, but but when I look at this episode, I mean, it's, it's just such a good episode and such an, and it's just that kind of episode that, you know, this is what you watch Star Wars for because it hits on new stuff, but it gives you that sense of nostalgia. It knows where it came from. But it balances it. It gives you those fun moments It drops those lines. There's mm-hmm. aspects of the space battle that feel very much just like going back to the Millennium Falcon versus Tie Fighters, in right? Yeah, six. Uh, I just, just, just so, so much, and so well done, and so not balanced. to
1: mention Ahsoka in her uh, spacesuit, well, which that, I swear isn't that is one step, one tail away. Mm-hmm. in ahsoka's case it's on her it's on her head it's called mm-hmm. legu but, but I mean, it's one it's one tail away from uh you know super saiyan
2: yeah but i mean how, how awesome is that to see a jedi in a live action out in space fighting a star fighter with her lightsabers
1: oh dude that's completely awesome
2: and right the, the other th- the other aspect of it that I loved was I loved the design of these starfighters that the um, that Balan's forces were using. They kind of had that little bit of a, like a World War II spitfighter kind of feel to it.
1: It did, yeah. It did. just a little bit, yeah.
2: But I mean, it just this is this is this is the one thing that I was really hoping for with Ahsoka, and I think it's still continuing. Is that each episode it goes up a level. And what, what I mean what I mean by that is just yes, each episode so far has been better than the previous, but it the pacing of the episodes is picking up each episode. You're mm-hmm. not you're not having these like really slow down moments or when that you do have those moments where they it's like there there's something going on and that you're, you're needing to pay attention to what's going on. It's not just having a slow moment just to have a slow moment.
1: Right, yeah. Much in the way that Clone Wars did, a little too much of that with these term filler episodes. Yeah. And I would that be would that be that comparison?
2: Yeah, I think I think I think that's fair. But I mean, it just every there's just with with this time to fly episode to me, just everything just hit the perfect note for where we were at in this in this episode and Mm -hmm. where we were at with the storyline so far. Yeah. I said it was a great evolution, and it was great to see the relationships between the characters.
1: By the way, I have to bring this up when uh, Hugh Wayne and uh, and Sabine were in that training duel, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't you find it funny that Hugh Wayne's uh, sort of, you know, grievous practice uh, thing with what with the lights he was using, right? were oh. very much like the really old sort of crappy um, you know, homemade lightsabers
2: well, you know hey, you gotta, you gotta work with what you got
1: I, I know, but it took me back to that commercial, right, where it's like mm-hmm. you can own your very own lightsaber and, and I'm sorry, those of us who were smarter are like, no, that's just a flashlight with a balloon
2: so the other thing that's really that was really cool about this episode is obviously we get a full-on look at the return of the Pergil.
1: No, the Pergil, yeah, yeah
2: Pergil, which looked fantastic, and it was a great effect. Let me, let me, let me just
1: point out though mm-hmm. that whenever I see the the purgle, all I can think of is um, <laughs> to. To borrow from one of our uh, star cousins in the star franchises, Star Trek, all I can think of is there be whales, Ahsoka. There be whales.
2: <laughs> well, there was a lot of them, and they play a very important part. In, there in was.
1: Yeah, there was. But I, I'm i like, I, I've been thinking that ever since the end of Rebels, and I'm just like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm still not used to leos in my star wars it's a it's a neat idea right Mm -hmm. and we'll get in we'll go into as we talk about later in the episode there's a bit where human kind of drops you know some knowledge that are kind of oh i don't know i think you would say make the purgles make a logical sense as to why they're there
2: well, you know, I mean, there's obviously too something to this planet. I obviously have with the connections it has to both what it seems to have to the program and to that area where they are able to access the map. Oh, see, toss, yes. Yeah. So, I mean with, with 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 this time to fly like I said, it just it hits all the right notes for me. I love I, I, it's 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 the best Starfighter battle in Star Wars, I'm like I said, in a very long time. I mean, and it's not, it's not even close. It gave, it gave me that, it did give me that, uh, a new hope energy with, with, with it. Um, right.
1: And especially when Ahsoka will give to being the blast shield. I'm like, oh, yeah. where have I seen this?
2: Well, but, the, but I think that was the point of it too, was to give us something to be
1: See, I gotta add to this point though, because that is exactly what my concern has been with Dave Filoni, and why I'm, I'm less hesitant to call him a you know Star Wars directing god as as most people are. Um, is and the blast shield is a really good uh, thing to go on because there's that episode in Manda where we're back to Tatooine, right? And you have that kind of Mandalorian light bounty hunter where, you know, Mando shot him, and the only one who was uh, going, no, no, still alive, was obviously Steel Saunders, right? Yeah. Um, So you had that, but where I'm going with this is um, very easy to look at. We know Filoni is good at copying his dad's work, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's very good at that, you know. Whether it's flat out copying, like going back to Tatooine, having a Han Solo light, as I call him, because uh, it kind of was, or uh, you know what he did here with giving Sabine the, the blast shield uh, during the training with Ahsoka. So he's very good at copying his dad's work.
0: Well, no, but we but, know
1: this.
2: But in 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 this case. What I'm gonna say is though, especially when you're talking about the training of a of Sabine, yes, this, this is training that has obviously probably been passed down.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I'm saying is, and we'll we'll obviously in our in our next few episodes covering five and six, we'll talk more about okay. this because I'll feel differently later. I'm sure. But I I want Dave Filoni to break out of that and be more, because oh, I, I think you and I can agree he can be more than just that.
2: Well, but I think I think he's already shown more than that. But I think you have to understand with Dave too, and with I think a lot of the people who are involved with Star Wars right now. Mm-hmm. There's there there's there's this. Wanting to pay tribute to what they came up on on Star Wars, and I think that's, yeah. I think that's a good thing. And honestly, I will say this, yeah, where Dave where Dave is involved, I would rather he do he do something like he did in this the things he did in this episode, mm-hmm. than it to be just oh I'm gonna use my use this new series to wrap up everything I left dangling in the old series.
1: Oh, you mean as a Unlike say what he did with uh, Rebels, this yeah, where he he
2: used a whole season of Rebel Rebels basically just to say, okay, I'm going to try to wrap up a bunch of loose ends from Clone Wars.
1: Then I I think what we're doing is kind of thinking along the same wavelength, though.
2: I just, but I like I said, I have no problem with Dave doing stuff like this because I think it's more of a it's paying a tribute than it is. Oh, I'm just copying, right? Them. Yeah. Yeah. and and so I'm 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 much more okay with this than either t- hijacking, using using a show that's supposed to be kind of something new. Though we knew what the premise of Ahsoka was when it was it is tying up some things from Rebels, and that's fine. But we knew that mm-hmm. going in, where it was as with Rebels, it was like we thought we were getting. And I know when we back when we podcasted about Rebels we thought we were getting a whole new show telling a whole new story, and then we end up with a good chunk of the second season of Rebels where it's like, oh, yeah, this this is my Clone Wars cleanup season.
1: Ah, I see. So it it sounds like for you, the stance is more a, um, you know, it's not quite the bag of false goods that Star Wars Resistance was, but it's not quite the... You know, we knew right from the get-go what we were getting. Like go, going into Ahsoka, Rebels were more kind of in between.
2: Well, yeah, and let me let me let me put it this way: with what he did in this episode and how mm-hmm. I felt about it, and uh, th- this this will be the ultimate translation to you. All right, blast shield, the blast shield stuff, the stuff on the on Ahsoka's fighter with with the cannons and everything like that. You know what that yeah. felt like to me? What? Uh, a, a certain person's granddaughter finding a proton pack for the first time.
1: to <laughs> Touche, my boy. Touche.
2: It, it, it was it was paying tribute, but making it a relevant part of the story.
1: My my metaphorical hat off to you, sir.
2: So that and but I, I think and, and I think that's what when I look at the episode of time to fly. Obviously, it's still moving the story. We have some great moments with these characters but i really felt like this was the episode that was like okay i'm going to get my paying tribute to the person who got me here done in this episode
0: mhm
2: and there's nothing and but he again this is the difference i see in dave too there would have been a past point where he would have done it so blatantly that right. it would have really kind of taken you out of the moment but here there's a blatancy to it because you know it so well. Well, it, you
1: you it, know what changes the criticism though. What's that? The fact that he didn't direct the whole.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, there's thing. that.
0: There's that like, too.
1: Had this been a Deborah Tannen situation and he directed all of this, right?
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: know he did one and five, right? And we'll get yeah. to five the next episode.
2: I mean, he wrote all of it, but yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is. Had this been a Deborah Chow situation and he just directed all of it,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Uh, Which I, come on, as much as I love Dave, I'm also comfortable enough to say I don't think he's ready for that. But had he done that, then the criticism would be more blatantly obvious going well look at that look at what you just well, did okay so uh,
2: let, 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 let's let, let's throw this out here then real all part. right go ahead let's throw out, let's throw out that little 7 minute short that disney plus put out master and apprentice
1: oh you mean the thing that was on youtube for two freaking weeks
2: well yeah but it's still it's on disney plus right now too
1: mhm yeah
2: and but it's it's a great it's a great showing of where dave is at now and the processes he's been through already,
1: right? Yeah, no, I agree.
2: And he, he talks about all these people, not just George, but other, all these other people that have taught him and got him ready for this moment. And, and yeah. this this right now is Dave's defining moment. No, it is. You know, I think we
1: I think we agreed that the word make or break was was uh, not really in the cards, but didn't you describe it as like a graduation day?
2: Well, it's a combination of it's really a combination of the three because make or break means if it doesn't go right, Dave's out, and that's not going to ever happen. And but no, no, the, it, it is. I'll tell
1: you what: the day that happens is the day Ahsoka actually dies.
2: But it was a, it is a make or break, I think, for in the aspect of okay, what is Dave Filoni's place within Star Wars? And and what I mean by that is now is that I years. can see is he going to continue to be the animation guy or has he graduated to being really full-on live action? And, you know, he's wrote all of this and it's and it shows, but, you know, the fact that, you know, they're they giving him such a strong support team of other directors here, and we're going to talk about that more when we talk about episode four, because I have a lot of thoughts to express there, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just... For Dave, it's it's taking steps, but what what is what's so great about it is because he's written this all out. Mm-hmm. Even the directors who who are directing, there's still a thread of Dave in their directing because they're directing what he wrote.
1: Yeah, no, I I I can agree with that. Yeah.
2: So I like I said, I, I felt like while, well, an episode three is a great episode, and it definitely moves the story and sets up for a lot of big things, and it, mm-hmm. but it just it this really, this really, when I go back and after rewatching it, really felt like okay, this is the episode where Dave is kind of paying a little bit of tribute to George and you know giving him that little head nod and and let's,
1: and let's not forget, right? Uh-huh. And when I was rewatching it, I, I can't help but think of my boy. You got some space Doctor Who?
2: Yep, you got a, a little bit I of mean, that. I
1: mean, seriously, every every. Mannerism, every way he talks. I'm like, you're like, why is this droid not sitting in a TARDIS?
2: Yeah, well, you know, maybe he has, and we just don't know it yet.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah. Well, there we'll get to one thing in a bit with the next episode. There is one particular habit that makes me go, Hugh Wayne, that's awfully violent for a for a, a lightsaber smith.
2: Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> They they all have a dark side. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, but are you running a rock'em Sock'em fight club on the side? Probably. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. So yeah. before we move on to the next episode, I want to talk about uh the what and I brought it up earlier, but what uh Hugh Wayne brings up as to the relevance of the Purgals. I'm okay. Kyle, I gotta ask because we've we've read it. In, we've read some of it in the High Republic so far, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> uh, we've seen other things here and there. Yeah, the, the pergol thing. Are are they changing the hyperspace rules again?
2: I don't think they're changing the hyperspace rules because we had we knew what the purgals were capable of from. Robert. Or,
1: or adding a layer to it. It I, Sounds I they're, like they're adding another layer to it.
2: Well, they're, they're, this is this is the thing, and I mean, I don't think I think it's adding another layer to it. I don't think they're necessarily breaking the rules, but obviously, we we found out how powerful the purgals were with their able to hyperspace between galaxies, which you know they they they, they talk about that even being an old Jedi tale mm-hmm. that they they were capable of doing that. and you know it was only a matter of time before somebody figured out technological wise what to, how, how we could do that and obviously and we see it with this hyperspace ring in this episode but it right. also, look look who did it it was a night sister. So you, you, you've also got that aspect in it too so there's some old there's some very old knowledge going on on with this to develop this technology to go to this new galaxy where Thrawn and Ezra were taken.
1: And let's point out a night sister with a good skincare regimen, because uh those other sisters
2: did not. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it 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 was rough. But you know, like I said, this this episode too, I don't I'm not gonna call it a filler episode, but it is a setup episode.
1: No, yeah. it's definitely not. It's a setup episode and a homage in some of the writing
2: but but that t- does take us into episode four fallen Jedi mm-hmm. and okay so compute viewer discretion we're recording this right after we watched episode five so take, t- take what I'm about to say with that into consideration but going up into it part four fallen Jedi without even hesitation I can say at that point was my favorite episode of Ahsoka
1: Yes. I'm, look, I, having watched episode five and knowing that, unlike some, I'm not going to say what everybody else wants me to say about Faloney. I'm just not there yet. Okay. Personally, I'm not there. And I've, I've, been, look, I'm, I'm a Dave as well. So no one's championing this guy more than me. All right. Mm-hmm. You know, a Dave supporting a Dave. I'm like, yay team. I'm just not there yet to call him a, a good echelon high point director, right? But this Peter Ramsey, who directed episode four, Fallen Jedi, I believe it's Peter who directed that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is probably one of, well, most definitely one of my favorite Star Wars directors. You know, I mean, outside of our outside of Bryce Dallas Howard, I'm I, I think it's best Kyle we ignore that little sidestep in Mando season three because we're like uh oh, Bryce we love you. Well what was
2: that? Well okay so 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 here's some interesting stuff. First of all I, yeah. I'm with you. Peter Ramsey did a phenomenal job with this episode, and the cinematography in this episode is phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah. It's completely phenomenal. But you really look, he is actually very much from the school of Dave, where most of his significant director work has all been in animation. He directed Rise of the Guardians in 2012, and he mm-hmm. was also one of the directors on Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, in which he won an Academy Award for
1: yeah no no but
2: but am where, I
1: gonna call that the same school don't no
2: well but it's still it's still he's coming from really mostly an animation background as a director now he right has-
1: right but it, oh. but he's also his own unique voice right which right
2: but let me let me let me reference this with if you go back and look through his career where he was involved on second units and storyboarding he's worked on some pretty major films he's worked on Predator 2. Backdraft, Independence Day, Fight Club, Artificial Intelligence, uh, Higher Learning, Poetic Justice, Godzilla... And uh, a couple of the Shrek films as well before he really got into his directorial debut. In
1: I, I I I tried to forget about artificial intelligence.
2: Well, uh, I know, but I, I just I'm just saying, visual visually that movie was gorgeous. Right, it was. It was. Story wise, not so much, but visually
1: it was gorgeous. Yes.
2: So he he's worked on a lot of big projects in Hollywood, and like I said, this was kind of I think this was definitely in a way his. This is obviously I think his as far as directing live action, this was his coming out party and he did it in a phenomenal way because I I'm think
1: he's up there.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's
1: Peter it's Bryce and you know, Dave at three.
2: But, but what, what I want to say about this tier before we get into actual moments within the episode, this movie, uh-huh. this, this episode was incredibly well directed. It was incredibly well paced. It had some amazing fight sequences in it. It and, did, yeah. And just the coloring and how the, he handled the, the background of this planet and, and the coloring involved with this planet and everything going around in it. I mean, you, you would be fooling me if you would have told me this was one of his first live-action directing games.
1: Right, yeah. Which one did he do in Mando season three? Was that with all the Mandalorians fighting?
2: I, it might have been.
1: yeah. He did a phenomenal job there and a phenomenal job here he it was he, it was
2: episode 21 the pirate
1: oh it was the pirates so it yeah. was the one with them all fighting yeah and they took refuge in the in the Bullock Hill it's a nice mm-hmm. little tribute to Jeremy right there yeah um, but no Peter Peter uh, is done a fantastic job so far he's two for two. I would say Bryce is two for three, but I've got to see something better than Mando season three. To be yeah.
0: honest, well,
2: so, so let, let, let's talk about the episode itself, and I want I'm going, I'm I need, I need to say this right now, because everybody was phenomenal in this episode, mm-hmm. but the star of this episode was Ray Stevenson.
1: Well, well, let let's call let I'll I'll see you one better, right? You want mm-hmm. to see one better? The star of this episode was actually Ray Stevenson's beard.
2: Oh, yeah, that's that was a good. That
1: man's beard action was was lit, as the kids would say.
2: But no, Ray Stevenson put on a acting clinic in this episode.
1: I I agree. I mean, look, I said on social media afterwards, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We were, and I told you as well, we were absolutely robbed because okay I know this is this is not a Marvel show but i am just use this as a comparison footnote right mm-hmm. I know that you know he's gone and what they're trying to do with a certain you know uh, uh, first family and mm-hmm. that whole thing but re- there isn't a doubt in my mind especially after this episode, Fallen July, that Ray Stevenson wouldn't have made a fucking fantastic Doctor Doom.
2: Well, let's not forget, he was a Punisher already.
1: Well, he certainly doled out some punishment, but we'll get into that.
2: But no, I, I just, I, I need to, I mean, he put on a clinic in this episode because what was he so- did what was so great about his performance was the fact you see so many different sides. You see this side that is fighting Ahsoka and talking about, Oh yeah, I learned about you. I heard about you from your master and just kind of really baiting Ahsoka, but knowing it's a physical battle. And you, he you actually,
1: he actually, and I'll, I'll repeat what I said in our first episode when we were talking with Richard and Sarah, Right is that he actually reminds me of if Anakin had never turned, like if yeah. he was never in the Iron Lung,
2: Yeah. Right?
1: Um, well, sure, turned, but not put into the Iron Lung.
2: Yeah.
1: You know? But, he reminds me of that. His but, performance was just that good.
2: Well, but, the, but here, here's, the, here's the thing that I loved about his performance more than anything. Mm-hmm. and and it's, about, and it's been his performance throughout the series but he goes from this physical conversation and kind of he- very heated confrontation with Sabine or with um, yeah. with Ahsoka to literally flipping the switch and going to this all mental game with Sabine and seducing her and baiting her with finding Ezra and making these promises upon his honor and stuff like that so that's and that's what makes this character so fascinating is because there's so many layers to him he's not he is pro I have no problem saying this. Balin is probably the most layered character we've gotten in Star Wars in a very long time.
1: Yes. I I I almost feel torn because and I want to ask you about this one <laughs> because yes, I want more, but at the same time, Ray's gone.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's that's the hard part. But how do, gonna,
1: you, how do you think they'll go about that?
2: Oh, we'll see how this, how his, his fate is before this series is over. We still have right. two episodes left. But let me let me put it this way: we already know Tony Gilroy is probably not putting any kind of Jedi or anything like that in Andor. But I'm telling right. you what: if you were going to put one in Andor, Ray Stevenson as Balin would be the way to go.
1: Well. Uh, Sadly, that would be a little no, but difficult. I'm just
2: saying that's how layered that character is. No,
1: I know, I know, I, because of how I'm sorry, it's, it's partly my brain not separating the conversation about yeah. Balan versus Ray being you know gone, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, it's just, it's just a natural reaction, anyway. No,
2: but but I, I'm but I'm just saying if it were possible to do that. That would be the only character. No, I,
1: I agree because Balin is probably the most nuanced, uh, layered, complicated I mean, Jedi that would. Who, fit. who who
2: wouldn't want to see uh, Stevenson and Skarsgård going going at it a few scenes?
1: No, jeez, you do realize not even Luthum's little uh, lightsaber uh, spaceship could save his ass.
2: No, but I could. You imagine the the dialogue, the conversation between the two
1: oh man it would be it would be rife with tony gilroy profanity yeah
2: but 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 the but the other the other thing too with this episode and this is what i one of the things i really liked about this episode again Mm -hmm. was the character development across the board and one of the biggest benefits of that one of the people who benefited that for the most was sabine because the great thing about this episode and I think it's I think it's a good point because I heard it from I, I've heard it in a couple different places. When we yeah. first see Sabine and the first time she takes on Shin, she she's trying to be the Jedi. Trying, just trying to use her lightsaber, where in this episode when she's fighting Shin, she's using all of her talent. She's being the Mandalorian who was basically raised to fight a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And but she's also mixing in her Jedi skills with that. And you see the confidence, you see the difference in Sabine when she's fighting Shin. Yep. And it, it's huge, and it also brings us to the moment then when she's... When Balan basically, te- basically finds her weak point, which is her quest for family, because we find out also in this episode that her family was killed in the Siege of Mandalore.
1: You know, I almost feel like the show... Right. hmm Should have opened up with that.
2: I think I think it's I, I think actually it worked because it, it became it, it adds that extra shock level to it.
1: Right. No, I understand that, but uh, but as far as like you know, you're selling this kind of thing to the normies, right? Yeah. Your your hardcore crowd like us and the people that listen to Upskitter podcasts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They're in. Look, they complain to high heaven, but they're in regardless. That's not who you're selling Star Wars to anymore. Yeah. You're selling it to to normies. Like it or not, that's what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So I, I almost feel like, you know, selling an idea like Sabine's family was killed in the Siege of Mandalore. Well, not the siege of Mandalore, but Nine of a Thousand Tears, um,
2: yeah, Nine of a Thousand Tears, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, get these things confused. Uh, either way, the city go kaboom. Yeah. Um, that should have been how we opened, but I, wasn't.
2: I, but I think because they've already done that, we gotta remember they opened with that in an episode of The Mandalorian, too. So,
1: well, yeah, yeah, that's true.
2: So, but the but the aspect of the shock of finding that out because we had if you had been following the ride from the beginning and had watched Rebels and seen Sabine's family in that in those episodes so that it adds that extra shock value to it if you have watched it but even if yeah. you haven't watched it it really gives you in the perspective of where Sabine is coming from and that exactly. is why she's why she is basically convinced convinced by Baelin plus you know it's Sabine she's probably thinking I I. I don't, my plan is, is I'll get there. I'll find Ezra and then we'll work it out and get right. away. And you know, that's probably how Sabina is thinking. Well, you know, that's not going to probably work out
0: quite no. that way.
1: But no, I can see a, um, a blue boy general getting in the way of that. Yeah.
2: But I mean, the, the, the thing with this episode is everybody. Sorry. Had,
1: sorry uh, blue boy, grand admiral. Yeah.
2: <laughs> But everybody had a moment in this episode. Shin had some great moments in this episode. Ahsoka obviously had some f- fantastic moments in this episode. Wang mm-hmm. had some great episodes and great moments in this episode. And of oh, course, oh yeah, Ta-
1: taking up a um, a a rock 'em sock 'em robot career. I'm like, Phew.
2: Yeah, but but here but here, here's the thing, and I, I mean, Dave Dave did it, and I'm I'm gonna give him all the credit in the world because he's been saying. He's been kind of pulling the little bit of the internet troll about all your theories on America wrong, and sure enough, <laughs> oops! Uh, I guess let, that wasn't Ezra or Starkiller. <laughs> let me
1: just say, I'll raise my hand. Called it. Called it. You want to blame somebody? Internet, blame me. I called it
2: no it, it, but the thing is is it makes to have it be somebody that was probably resurrected by the night sister
1: right yeah makes
2: it makes perfect sense right and you would really stop and think and i think that's the thing is that you know there's so many of us who are just waiting for that shock and the awe moment of it and then when we get something like that and it actually when you stop and really think about it well that makes sense mm-hmm then it's, but I think I think we're just so pre-programmed to expect some kind of shock and awe moment. And I actually think in this case, I'm glad it went the way it went.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was a, he was nothing more than the equivalent of a night sister fart.
2: But the, you know, David. The, the other thing is though, before we get any further with this episode, there is something very important we have to talk about.
1: Yes.
2: Because. We see more than one ghost in this episode. Uh,
1: I I would say so, yes.
2: But let's talk about the first ghost we see because we didn't think we'd see it again, but it was time to reboard the ghost in this episode. And okay, more... you know
1: what? You know what? I'm just gonna say, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, how many times can we see a Millennium Falcon variant?
2: You know what, David? I just didn't. It didn't matter to me. No, I
1: I understand that, but but you know as well as I do, the Outrider is basically a a Millennium Falcon variant. Well, they're all
2: they're all some kind of Corellian ship. So no, I
1: understand that. Granted, we don't see it all that much, but it is a Millennium Falcon variant, and uh, so is the Ghost.
2: Yeah, but again. I, that doesn't bother me because it was glorious to see it. It was—I I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting Carson Teva to show up with the Phoenix Squadron. Yeah, let's let's talk about
1: that because does that interrupt? Does that break a rule and any flow in the Mandalorian timeline?
2: No, because I think I think I think this happens after the events of Mandalorian season three.
1: Okay. I just know, and as of recording, we have like three weeks left of the show, but I just know there's two things I want, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One, just badassness all the way across the board for the next three weeks, please. And two, no mandolin his, in uh, his frogling with the potato sack clothes.
2: I don't think you're gonna get Mando and Grogu in this series.
1: I don't know. By the way, I'm calling him Grogu. I'm not calling him that Dan Grogu. Mando three, you disappointed me with that.
2: But I'm I wouldn't worry about that. But it was great to see the ghost. It was great to see feeding squadron. That was so cool. It and was, we, yeah. And, and to hear the hear the words yet again. lock S spoils into attack attack position.
1: Even though it didn't do much.
2: Well, I know, but just to hear it and to see the ghost on live action on the screen. Listen, the only other time we'd seen it was in Rogue One. And that was just a brief overhead shot.
1: Oh, I know. Uh, well, yeah. And also, you know, sitting rather inert in port in the little Yavin base.
2: Yeah. So, yes, that that was amazing to see and awesome. And obvious, obviously, we're going to see much more of the ghost. ghost. But that was that was amazing. And Hera being Hera. You know, I don't care what the orders are. And we see yet again just how inept the New Republic is.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You saw when I posted about this, I posted two images of uh, the um, the Senate committee
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the Shadow Council. Now, I ask you, where's the difference? Not now? much.
2: When's one is much smarter than the other.
1: Uh, are you sure they they're both kind of inept?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm gonna give the Empire side a little bit more intelligence, just because we they, they at least have a a throne on their side
1: at some mm. point. Um, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Does Mommatma age?
2: Ah, uh, she does, but she does. She she, she has one good makeup art makeup artist. Clearly. But, no, Genevieve O'Reilly, seeing her back in that character always makes me happy. She's done a phenomenal job with that Oh, character.
1: absolutely, yeah. She's she's just great. It's just between Andor and this, I'm like, damn, girl, do
2: you age at all? Yeah. But, the, 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 the other thing is, too, David, of course, is that this is the episode that really, you know, we use the term broke the internet, but this episode kind of did break the internet because at the end of the episode, Hello, Snips. Yeah. We knew he was coming. We didn't know how he was coming. But to end up in well, the Well, now,
1: to be fair, to be fair, we did not know he was coming. We knew he was coming for five. We had no, oh, no. idea it was coming for four. Well,
2: But we knew he was going to be in this season. Sure, but we had sure. no,
1: we had no clue it was going to be for
2: four. Well, well, we had no we had no clue for sure that he was even going to be five, and we also had no clue of what version of Anakin Skywalker we were going get. Mm. and how he was how they were going to put him. A lot of people were expecting flashbacks or something like this, but no, he has been put. He shows up in the world between worlds, and we get the moment that a lot of especially. People who grew up on Clone Wars as their main Star Wars fans have been waiting for for a very long time. Right, right. And it it was powerful and it was emotional and it had people talking. Unfortunately, for some of us, uh, yeah, they could have put a little bit more effort into a certain aspect of his appearance.
1: Well, now wait a minute. I think they did better with his appearance than say uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, where he. I'm sorry. I hate the fact that I, I think of a Steve Carell movie with that. You basically have the 40-year-old one.
2: Well, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, this, this this is one of those weird... This is the weird aspect of it. And this is... This is where the frustration comes in. Because I know you're not a big fan of the de-aging... deep not techn- really, no. ...technology. And I get it. But I think... We are at a point in time where it does have its place, but when they do it as sloppily as they did it in this scene, it does I'm because I'm looking at Anakin going, okay, I know it's Anakin, but he's looking a little funky.
1: Well, it, the what sells it a little better is it's world between worlds, right. and that's a little bit of a funky looking area. And, and, and
2: then and I and I took that into consideration, but even even still, I've seen him. We've we've both seen them use the de-aging technology a lot better than that. Right,
1: right. Now, would you say this was comparable to um, making uh, Ford look 30 again with Dial of Destiny's first one? I, I, I,
2: I think I think making Ford, Ford look, how they made Ford look 30 in Dial of Destiny is some of the best of that technology I've seen to this date. Even over this? Oh, easily over this, yeah. This okay. was this was a poor use of it.
1: All right. Well, it'll it'll be interesting to see how uh, we talk about that as we well, go into the, five.
2: Just real quick, the problem with Dial of Destiny wasn't so much the de, the de aging looked really well,
1: yeah. but then you have
2: eighty year old Harrison voice Harrison Ford's voice coming out. That's it. I knew something was there. I knew it. That's why it was felt off. Is because. The aging looked beautiful, but well, I'm just
1: gonna say, look, and and this is not a Dial of Destiny diatribe or anything, but I'm just gonna say that that whole entire sequence, you could have sold it better had it been Alden.
2: Yeah. Well, here's here here here's here's the thing. Let me, let, let, let's just hit on this now because this is actually going to be an elephant in the room, I think, going forward, with especially with Star Wars. Because okay, of... go ahead. I, I love elephants in the room. There's a time and a place for all of this technology. It's, it's not a bad thing, but it's not something we should... It's just like the volume. Right. The yeah. volume has its place, and it's a useful tool. Unfortunately, with the volume, it came out at a time where, guess what? It kind of became... A tool of necessity whether we liked it or not and then
1: right no i know because of the because with,
2: with, with this
0: whatnot, deep yeah. fade
2: and ai technology i kind of feel like we're at a point right now like where george was at with the uh, prequel trilogy was like oh i've got all this digital toys now i can play with and he overdid it and i think we're kind of doing that with this deep fade and ai but when it's done right and done as a tool to enhance something or to, to to fit what it needs to, it's done very well. And I also look at it this way. You know, uh, the example I'll give us is James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, about a year and a half ago, went to Disney and just recorded a ton of lines. He knew what mm-hmm. he was doing. And he, he recorded those lines specifically for use with Darth Vader going forward. So Disney had this library. They could re- digitally recreate his sound. And yes, they've, also mixed in a little bit of Hayden's voice within that, as well. But I don't see there. I don't see a problem because the voice is so iconic. James Earl Jones's voice is so iconic. Right. Yeah, it is. But you know, I'll go to I'll go to the example that I know drives you bonkers is what they did with Luke and Mandalorian. Oh boy! Yeah, but no, that's... I know but again, that's where it was great. That first moment we had it in that season finale of Mandalorian just cuz we, mm. we were so caught up in that moment but then they right. became, they started using it more and more for other appearances with of Luke and mm-hmm. it's like okay well this th- th- there's a difference between okay making that one special moment and then you kind of take away from it because you you use it for these other things right yeah so again there i think there's a time and place for it here with this and again I understand that it's just in this at the end of this episode but you have this amazing emotional moment happening. Right. And for a lot of us we're looking at Hayden going something's really kind of off here. <laughs> well, you know?
1: well I I'm sorry and this is where my stance comes in where real actors sell that moment a lot better. Visual trickery does not. I don't care how good your art talent is, visual trickery does not.
2: Well, and again, this is this is why I'm disappointed because I know that they have the technology capable of to make you have it. Hayden have with Hayden standing there, they could have there was they could have done a much better job with it, and they didn't. And that's 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 a little bit of the frustration. But again, it's it. For so many people, it doesn't take away from that moment, and that, that's all—all all the more power to them. For me, it kind yeah, of—that's yeah, like, great, you know. But, but for it me, it made, it made it a little off. But the—the the thing about this, and again, this is what Ahsoka is doing so damn well. Is yet, again, do. this is another episode that, when it ends, I'm like, is it next Tuesday yet? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I agree. And I'm going to be honest with you as much as I love andor and as much as I love some of the other things I have not had there's not been a Star Wars Disney plus project since I'm gonna say mando season one because there was just so much genuine excitement for what they were trying to do there
1: to where well, I felt like there, there were
2: some yeah well I, I know your feelings on it but for a lot of people there was a lot of excitement but it was like is it is it can is it next Tuesday yet or whatever the Whatever episode was coming out, and that I think ahsoka has been the best Star Wars show to give you that when's the next episode feeling like I need it, it
1: now. it certainly gives me more rewatchability than than Mandalorian Mandalorian just didn't turn into the show I wanted it to
2: well but and again that goes back back to personal preference, but with this, I think again they just they found such a good balance. And you have such a phenomenal cast, and Rosario is just destroying it as Ahsoka. But everybody, yeah, everybody in this cast has been phenomenal. And she's cer-
1: she's certainly, and I find this funny, been driving people crazy with the arms folding thing. And yeah. by the way, if you're bothered by the arms folding thing, then clearly you weren't watching Clone Wars or Rebels at all.
2: Yeah, and well, and the and the other thing is too is that remember she's in this pro. All these prosthetics, there's probably certain poses she can't keep for very long.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Between the makeup and the prosthetics, yeah, it's probably not that easy. Yeah, I'm like, her.
1: give her a break, people. But you know, she not many would commit to being orange all all yeah. friggin day.
2: But 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 here, I mean, here's the ultimate thing. This episode ends, and you've got so many questions about okay, so what's the next step for Sabine? How long is it till we see Thrawn and Ezra? What's going on with Ahsoka in this? Right. And you still have, and plus you have you have Hera back involved, and you know going in, because they announced right after this episode aired, that episode five, <coughs> excuse me, was going to be in theaters. Yeah. So in a limited release, which tells you, Episode five is going to be something special. Well,
1: also tells me a little something about Disney, but I'm not going to go into that right now.
2: Yeah, well, but for them to do that because it was free, it went, it was, it was get your name on the list and get in there.
1: Right now, I get it. Uh, it's so, just Kyle, Kyle. That's a that's a Disney button that for conflict of interest reasons i cannot go into so don't oh, make no, me no, do I, it
2: I, but no but what but, but the, the point i'm making is is that it has to be something pretty se- special in in episode five no I,
1: I i know i'm just asking you please do not veer down that road because oh, no, I'm, pro- I'm not
2: i'm not i'm not veering down road i cannot
1: here, can I... go i cannot have that discussion
2: well I know and I'm not cuz I bit,
1: I know what I can say and I know,
2: but you know no and, and I'm not I'm not veering down that road but I'm what I'm saying though is is that when when a decision like that is made you know what you've got coming Ness has got to have something very special Right yeah yeah that that's the only thing I'm I'm saying I'm saying about that is that so so you have that in anticipation for that and so again Disney has just Disney Lucasfilm everything and I'll be the first one to say this. This is not only is Ahsoka with the anticipation of episode to episode, uh-huh. but this feels like an event. And I don't think there's been anything since Force Awakens in in Star Wars like it has felt like an event like this show has.
1: Well, certainly not since uh, Disney did this, uh, you know, this kind of ridiculous TV pivot.
2: Well, but no, but 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 what I'm saying, David, it's it's either either that Force Awakens felt like an event because it had been so long.
1: It is not here nor there, Kyle. You cannot dismiss one or the other.
2: Well, but what I'm what what but here here my point out. This this is the point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. And I I really feel like. As great as I love Rogue One, Solo was fun, but yeah. there was a specialness to Force Awakens coming out because it had been so long. Right, and everybody was buzzing about it, and everybody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. You had that weirdness. You had—I don't want—you had the popularity of Grogu because of what Grogu was to a lot of people. Okay, fine. That aside, as far as just a Star Wars thing to watch with your eyes. This feels on that Force Awakens level of just you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time because you're not sure what what to expect. Outside of the fact that I think there's going to be much more satisfaction when this is completely over compared to what the satisfaction level was of Force Awakens at the time. I I think this is this right now what's with what's happening with Ahsoka. And yes, I'm, I'm including that I have seen Episode Five in this, and I will talk about Episode Five later. But what mm-hmm. we're getting right now is, in my opinion, the most significant and best Star Wars television, Star Wars storytelling we have had in over a decade.
1: It is, yeah. And then, I mean, yeah. Look, I may not be in the spot to call, you know, Filoni a top-tier director, but he has definitely, as far as writing is concerned, surpassed George.
2: Yeah, and that's... I mean,
1: he has even... he has, He's right up there with um, uh, Katie Lucas, who I believe did some of the... Did the Night Sister stuff in Clone Wars, which was some of the better uh, stuff that Clone Wars did, in my opinion.
2: Well, let me... I'll I'll put it this way. Dave Filoni has contributed more to the Star Wars canon at this point than George ever did.
1: That is true. I'm 100% confident in saying that. Dave has done more for Star Wars than even George... I know that sounds sacrilegious and strange for a lot of you to hear but it's true.
2: And I I mean George is the founder. George created this it wouldn't exist without George. I have to oh,
1: oh no no look as as much as we have criticism of George as much as my relationship and appreciation with George has changed uh, and Kyle, you and I, you and I have both talked about. I will never tell people that because, um, well, that's a hornet's nest. Well,
2: well but so so he, so here's the thing. Well, I mean, what I'm
1: saying, like, saying is that aside, mm-hmm. you cannot take away from George. He created all this.
2: Yeah, but you can say Dave has taking it to has taken it to another level.
1: After what I just saw with Five, yes. Yeah.
2: And 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 I and I, I want to say this because I, it's also something that I think is is a key moment is let's go back to season two of Mandalorian Dave's first live action episode mm-hmm. with Ahsoka the fact that George came on set to watch what was going on should tell you all you need to know about what George Lucas thinks of Dave Filoni.
1: Well, yeah.
2: And, de- but
1: and again, again, Kyle, I'd rather not go into what you know George Lucas well, but, thinks because that's not a topic I want to entertain anymore.
2: Well, no, I'm but, done but,
1: with that. No, well, I'm, but, I am absolutely done with that issue.
2: I, but what I let me, let me explain to you why I'm saying this, all right? Because I truly do believe that when we look back through history, we're going to look at the Ahsoka episode of Mandalorian as really when the torch was fully passed.
1: No, the torch was passed a long time ago,
2: but I, 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 that's, that's just my personal opinion. I think, I think, I think Kyle, it's fine. But, you know, for me,
1: the torch was passed a long time ago. The torch was passed when George brought him in. The torch was passed when Filoni made Clone Wars his show. Okay, not so much George. His show. The torch was passed when George sold the company and made me feel better as a Star Wars fan because I, I will I will say this publicly. I feel perfectly fine with it. All right. Hmm. George changed my appreciation of him a lot. With the prequels, he did not do anything to make me like him any better. The George I knew was gone. Look, I enjoy Star Wars. I take it for what it is, but my, if people want my appreciation of George Lucas to be the same, it isn't.
2: Well, and, but and I'm not. This isn't. But my my, my thought process here isn't about giving appreciation to George Lucas. It's a, it's, 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 it, it's, and I, it's me marking in my mind what, and again, this is just my opinion. The moment of time of Dave Filoni crossing into doing, creating the character he created and the character that he loves, that is his through and through and making that character live action on screen mm-hmm. was just like that. And, 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 and George showing up to me that, and again, this is just in my thinking. It's 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 George saying, "You passed your final final test. You are the master now." Getting okay. that live action,
1: okay? Yeah, yeah.
2: What was it? And I'm just that's just that's my thought process. That's other people think differently, and that's fine. But we I'm also
1: we also kind of knew that with good going in. That was oh, yeah. the whole graduation day we were talking about.
2: So okay, so because here's my feeling on Ahsoka. Yes, this is a big moment for Dave. This is kind of Dave's, Dave's full graduation of the classes he's he's been in been in since he did uh, he did that episode of Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. But what I feel like is is that. The difference between those two moments is, is that that moment with Ahsoka in Mandalorian season two was the it's. I know it seems silly because of the sale to Disney and everything like that, but there, it felt like, pro, and I'm I'm guessing maybe even in Dave's mind, that really felt like okay. I'm I it's it really is mine now, mm-hmm. and. Now, what is happening with Ahsoka and how phenomenal this series has been? Right, is going to be that I really think for a a, besides the hardcore fans. Let me, let me, let me quote the hardcore fans. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when Ahsoka is done, and then we have whatever this movie that's coming, going to happen is Mm -hmm. by the end of it you will have the general public knowing Dave Filoni's name and how important he is to Star Wars.
1: Yeah. It won't it's be just... just the fanboy,
2: the, fa- the fanboy and fangirl thing, the fandom thing. It will be the general public will associate Dave Filoni with Star Wars just as much as they associate George Lucas. That's my
1: hope. And, and maybe my mindset isn't going to be there with a simple series because... Unfortunately, Kyle, you're still in that, you know, fanboy, fangirl, you know, you know, little cluster of, of, you know, that grouping, you know, my mindset's still there. A series is not going to be what gets it out of it. Now, a movie that has to be not just that, that small little niche, which actually is pretty small if you actually, uh, wake up and pay attention but a movie that's those groups and normies as well that's what does it
2: well yeah and that's what I'm I I agree with you and I'm definitely saying that but right now what what I'm saying is is that I think after going through what we've gone through so far and yet the starship hasn't landed yet we still have three episodes to go right yeah no I know but I'm looking at the trajectory right now. I think Dave is now ahead of the curve on that path.
1: He's Not, ahead of the curve as long as Disney doesn't f it up.
2: Well, that's that's a whole other thing, and there's a lot of things going on right right mm-hmm. now. But that, yeah, the, 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 the,
1: which is why I'm a little leery. And well, but
2: it. I I don't I, I, I at, at this point though, if it goes sideways, just. Based off of what I've seen so far, it's not going to be because it's on Dave. No, it's not. So that, that's that, that's 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 the ultimate. Part. But I don't think it's going to. At least through the end of Ahsoka, it's not going to go sideways. After that, because of a lot of different circumstances, which I'm we don't need to get into right now. We all know them. Everything is up in the air. Right. And once we have that sorted out, then we and we see where the paths are going to lead. We then we can get complete judgment. But. Right now, I have no problem saying Dave is ahead of the trajectory course that's been laid out for him.
1: That is true. That is true. Um, and and that seems like the perfect stopping point, unless you have anything else to uh, go over.
2: No, other than like I said, I'm gonna we I've I've said it. We both have watched episode five, and uh, I'm just gonna say this: I'm really excited to be able to, for next episode to come around so we can talk about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's a, I'll have to watch it two or three more times. Oh, yeah. Later. Cause I,
2: there's a, I bet you there's a lot of little things. There's there. a
1: lot to digest. Yeah. I, I'll just say this. Uh-huh. And we, and we, look, we knew this was going to be a part of it in some, so it's not a spoiler or anything. If you've been in that fan of it, you know already. But as a, for me personally, as a guy who never really wanted Clone Wars to be an animated era, I wanted that in live action from the get. I'm very fucking happy with what we got.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree. There.
1: I, I I just came out with it. I'm very, very goddamn happy with what we got. And I feel that... Their use of a certain world and I'll get more into that next time is a more easy to sell to normies than how Rebels did.
2: Yeah. Well, like like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, a little tantalizing
1: opinions. We'll get into that more uh, next time.
2: Yeah. Well, Well, with that note, sir, how about, how about you get ready to hit the hyperdrive?
1: Absolutely. Well, gang, thank you for joining us on this episode of Silka Ronin Way of the Tunnel. So for me and uh, my co-host, Kyle Wagner, I'll just say this. You can take Star Wars lukewarm. You can take Star Wars Mustafarian hot. Or as cold as a vacation on hoth But at the end of the day, Star Wars. This is the way. Is is
0: the way. War is inevitable. One must destroy in order to create. We are no Jedi. Thanks for listening to Ahsoka Ronan, The Way of the Tongue. I started hearing whispers of Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. What happens when we find Thrawn? Power. Such as you've never dreamed. I've spent most of my life fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to convince you to help me prevent another one. You and I both know who could help you with this. She's still just as stubborn as ever. I bet your master found you difficult at times. Anakin never got to finish my training, but I walked away from him. Just like I walked away from Sabine. You never made things easy for me. Master. As a Jedi, sometimes you have to make the decision no one else can. But I'm counting on you to All see this through. All things Star Wars Lucasfilm is a subsidiary nice of the Walt Disney Company. Sometimes we have to do what's right, regardless of our personal feelings. Buckle up! If we don't stop Thrawn, everything will be in vain. You have no power. Anakin spoke highly of you. I'm not here to discuss my past. We have a lot of work to do. Once a rebel, always a rebel. This podcast is meant for informational purposes only. No infringement is intended.